You're listening to Doctrine and Duty, podcast of Brian Ray, Senior Pastor of Alexander Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia, where biblical theology meets everyday Christian life. Greetings, everyone, in the wonderful, matchless name of Jesus Christ. Well, we are continuing our journey plodding right along through the abstract of principles, one of the guiding documents uh, at the origination of the Southern Baptist Convention, becoming a foundational document upon which the Baptist Faith and Message 2000 statement was developed. And uh, today we have arrived in Section 7, The Mediator. Now, uh, this section is a, a... an encouraging section, a powerful section. Uh, but one thing I want to just reiterate, uh, and I try to do this throughout the study, is is that these these doctrines that we look at and these statements of faith that we look at, um, this abstract that we're looking at, they come from Scripture. Uh, so uh, theology, uh, systematic theology, would look at a, a subject or a topic and see what Scripture says about it from Genesis to Revelation, and we'll pull those things together and develop a statement of faith about uh, that doctrine. And so this is the doctrine of the Mediator. And it begins, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, is the divinely appointed mediator between God and man. Having taken upon himself human nature, yet without sin, he perfectly fulfilled the law, suffered and died upon the cross for the salvation of sinners. He was buried and rose again the third day, and ascended to his Father, at whose right hand he ever liveth to make intercession for his people. He is the only mediator, the prophet, priest, and king of the church, and sovereign of the universe. We'll begin with the beginning. Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God. Now that terminology should sound familiar to many of us. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only Son, his only begotten Son. So, We have the only begotten Son of God uh, as the first descriptor of the Lord Jesus Christ. We find that title in John 3.16. It says He is the divinely appointed mediator between God and man. Now that reminds us of a passage of Scripture in 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy 2, verse 5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Now, we could probably take a step back and just ask the question, why a mediator? Why is a mediator necessary, needed? Well, for that, we we think about uh, the theological doctrines uh, from the Bible that kind of join together in this understanding that there is this gap between the deity of God and the sinfulness of man. There is this chasm, this, this expanse. Uh, to where we as a sinful people cannot reach up to a holy God, and holy God has nothing to do with sin. By the grace of God, however, he does have something to do with sinners. And so Jesus Christ bridged the gap. He is the one who is called the mediator. He is the one, the go-between, the betwixt man, the, and we could go with negotiator, arbiter, arbitrator, umpire, referee. Mediator really is the best word. He has mediated this hostility, this tension between God and man. We are hostile toward God, rebels running away from God and rebelling against God, never running to God until the Holy Spirit calls us to do so. 
So Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, is the divinely appointed mediator between God and man. The next sentence. Having taken upon himself human nature, yet without sin. So let's let's start at the, the last part first. Yet without sin. Very important. We understand that Christ is sinless. He was born of a virgin. He robed himself in human flesh. He lived as a man, but without sin. He veiled his deity at times, but he never did away with his deity. He is the divine anointed Son of God, the sinless sacrifice, the sinless Savior. Never forget that Christ is without sin. Now, going back to the beginning of the sentence, having taken upon himself human nature. One of my favorite passages that deals with this is Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 and following. It says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. By the way, I think it's awesome that in this passage, Paul writes to the church at Philippi, and in verse 5, he begins with duty, and he follows it with doctrine. Doctrine and duty. Um, Extremely important that the Bible influences our duty. And so he gives us the duty, and then he explains why. He says, have this mind which is uh, among among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So be like Jesus. Have the mindset of Christ. Have the attitude of Christ. Act like Jesus. And it tells us, well, how did he do? It says, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. By taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and having been found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has exalted him. And the passage ends with an amazing declaration of everyone bowing to the name of Jesus and at the feet of Jesus. So this says that having taken upon himself human nature, Christ, if there was ever anyone that we could say um, should not then it would have to be Christ. You know, we are human. We are sinners. We do not do what we are called to do. And yet Christ, um, he took upon himself human nature, this nature that we have. He became a human, yet without sin. That that goes back to um, what we looked at last time when we looked at the fall of man. Remember, humanity, other than Christ, has a fallen nature, has a sin nature, but not so the Lord Jesus Christ. So this duty to be like Jesus, we have this mindset that we should have because of who Christ is and what Christ has done, and he paved the way for us. He set the example for us to be godly. He took upon himself human nature. He humbled himself. If Christ, the Son of God, would humble himself on our behalf, how much more should we, as the people of God, humble ourselves and be strive to be like Jesus? There's that duty aspect of it. Next sentence. He perfectly fulfilled the law. Now, a lot of things uh, important there. Christ did not set aside the, the law. He perfectly fulfilled the law. He came to fulfill the law. He is uh, the fulfillment of the law. But it says he perfectly fulfilled the law. Remember, you and I might be obedient. We might keep one or two or some or maybe even all of the Ten Commandments, yet we're still a sinful people. There's still going to be a time when we don't keep the law. But it says Christ fulfilled the law perfectly. So he not only kept it perfectly, but he also fulfilled the law perfectly. No one else could do such a thing. Only the perfect, the infinite, the ultimate God-man. Only the mediator could do so. He perfectly fulfilled the law. He suffered and died upon the cross for the salvation of sinners. He was buried and rose again the third day, ascended to the Father. 
Christ died in our place and for our sins. Never forget that. He died the death that we deserve to die so that we might live the life that we don't deserve to live. Glory, hallelujah to God. Let us live in perpetual and eternal thanksgiving to God for what he has done for us through Christ in his death on the cross. He was buried and rose again and ascended. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul writes, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel, the gospel that I preached to you, which you received and which you stand and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, for I delivered to you of first importance that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. I love that passage of Scripture. He was buried, rose again the third day. And then it says in our text, He ascended to the Father. Interesting. Now, just recently, uh, not sure when you'll hear this, what what month, what year, but but this year in 2022, recently at Christmas, I was preaching through John's gospel, and in John chapter 20, we have the resurrection appearance of Christ to Mary Magdalene, who's weeping outside the tomb. She sees the angels, then she sees someone else, and she turns around. It's Jesus, but she doesn't know. He says, why are you weeping? And she says, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have laid him. She supposes him to be the gardener. Jesus says to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, uh, Lord, teacher, which means teacher, or rabbi, which means teacher. And then in verse 17, this is the takeaway here for this text. In John chapter 20, verse 17, Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brother's. And say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and to your God. It is recorded in Scripture that uh, Christ, after the resurrection, lived on planet Earth 40 days in a glorified resurrection post-crucifixion body. And at the end of those 40 days that he ascended to his Father. The next statement says, at whose right hand he ever liveth to make intercession for his people. We are so thankful that that the Lord Jesus uh, brings petitions on behalf of His people before the throne of grace, before the throne of God. He intercedes on our behalf. He shuts down the false, lying accusations of Satan before the throne of God in the heavenly council. Jesus makes intercession for His people. And then the last sentence says this, says, He is the only mediator, the prophet, priest, uh, the prophet, priest, and king of the church, and sovereign of the universe. Boy, for that terminology, you can read the whole book of Hebrews. It's just incredible. Uh, prophet, priest, and king. Christ is the prophet, priest, and king of the church, and the sovereign of the universe. Wow. The Bible tells us that he is the potentate, that he is the king of kings, that he is the Lord of lords. Someone might argue your case. Someone might plead on your behalf. But there is no one who could ever mediate your case before a holy God. There is no one who could make your heart, your standing right with God other than the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the prophet, the priest. He is the king of the church. He is the king of the universe. He is the king of kings and Lord of lords. And he is the king of your soul and mine by the grace of God. Well, it is my hope that you are a believer. That would be why you're listening to this. But also, I think sometimes people are attracted to this who might not be believers. So it's my prayer today that if you have not believed in Christ, 
and trusted him as your Savior and Lord, that this would be a day of salvation for you. If you have, praise the Lord. Again, we get to live in eternal joy and worship because of who Christ is and what he's done. Um, but also, we remember that we don't rely on our, ourselves to get us to heaven or our own works to get us to heaven. We rely on one, the one who is called by Paul in 1 Timothy 2.5, the mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. All right, well, look. Hey, I love you. Uh, I'm glad you joined me. Um, uh, tell all your friends, family members, neighbors, even those enemies of yours, let them know, hey, check out this podcast, Doctrine and Duty. May we be the people of God that he's called us to be for his glory and for our spiritual gain. May the church triumphant thrive, and may you find a local church that preaches the unsearchable riches of Christ, the inerrancy of the Word of God. May you find a church and get activated there. God bless you. Take care. You've been listening to Doctrine and Duty, a podcast of Alexander Baptist Church located at 4316 Pamela Court, Chesapeake, Virginia. Join us Sundays at 10 a.m. and find us online at abch.org.